Yes, okay, very good morning. It's amazing to be back. Thank you for your affection and love. Tracy with your flowers. Thank you. And Ryder as well, my dear sister and Ryder. Thank you, Holly, for all the lifts to my girls. <laughs> Thank you, church, for your patience. I was in Brazil for uh, 12 days, 11, 12 days, something like this. And it's amazing to be back. I have some few pictures to share with you. Uh, I put some pictures from Biro because, let me start this again. Hello, if you're on YouTube, very good morning, relax. And uh, I'm Danny, part of the leadership team of this local church. And today we will be finishing this series in 1 Peter. Let me ask you to open your Bible in 1 Peter. And I'll show the photos and we'll keep uh, trying to find in your Bible 1 Peter is between Genesis and Revelation somewhere <laughs> in the middle. It's the New Testament, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, the last chapter of this letter. And so we had a few days ago a leadership conference and the Brazilians guys, they came over, they were here with us. And this family bureau, Patricia, they have a beautiful work in their local church um, in Sao Paulo, <clears throat> working with kids. We had an amazing evening here where Biro was sharing about what they do. And it's a long story, very beautiful. And then we were there. I was invited for, by our um, uh, apostolic team on New Ground Family to be in Brazil these days. <laughs> There's a lot going on in Brazil, and also in Portugal, we had meetings with pastors from uh, Portugal as well. Let me see, do you have some photos from Biro? Just uh, show these photos from Biro, because they are sending their love for you guys, and saying thank you for your hospitality and love with them. This was Sunday, last Sunday evening, and the next, please. And we had amazing time. Uh, in my opinion, I think the most expensive currency for a leader is credibility. And we could see in their tau the Bureau's credibility and his ministry at Patricia. They had the presentation with the kids of Agape Church. And then the next, that little baby is Bureau's um, daughter-in-law. And then next, yeah, sorry, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, I don't know, 15 days of translation without stop, so <laughs> my brain. And Biro's church is nice because they have two or three English speakers in the church, so I had a break. Uh, Victor, amazing translator. We were with David uh, and Liz. The presentation was beautiful. If you follow them on social media, you see um, all the kids. It was really stunning uh, moment. The teacher was packed with people. And the next day, people coming to Jesus. They came to the church asking for, uh, for Jesus because it's not only a social work. It's a church. And they preached the gospel. By the end, we were on the stage preaching the gospel, the cross of Jesus. It was beautiful. You can help. You can support us and Agape work. Two weeks ago, I believe, we sent in our weekly mail a link that you can support 8, 10, 12 pounds, whatever is in your heart, to help them. They are trying to raise money to give one meal more for the kids. Uh, every day they give, they give two meals, breakfast, lunch, but they have groups at evening as well. 
and your money goes straight to our bank account in Crawley, and then we send to their church. There's a link. I can send a WhatsApp group, whatever. is easy for you. And you can, if you feel in your heart, feel free to help them. And also, they are inviting us. You have a place to stay in Brazil. They have a house to host people over there to see, to be part of the work. Amen. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's read one and to 12 or 14 12 is there but let's keep reading to 14 to the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings who also you share in the glory to be revealed now he's saying Peter is saying, I appeal as a fellow elder. He's not saying an appeal as an elder above the other elders. Peter wasn't the first pope who had many documents in history and also in the Bible showing that he wasn't the first pope, but he put himself together with the other elders of the church as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering because he lived, he saw Christ's sufferings. And then... His command comes in verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock. That is under your care. Watching over them. Not because you must. But because you are willing. As God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain. But eager to serve. Not lording it over in trust to you. But being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In those days, they had a crown for athletes with leaves. And after some time, just uh, spoiled is the word. And he's playing with the words because when he's writing the crown of glory... These guys, in those days, they understood, okay, it's the rewards, the prize after a marathon or sports competition that you never fade away. It's forever. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud shows favor to the humble. And then he keeps saying, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in the due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's the very first time that Peter is giving a name of the one who behind the suffering and persecution that he was talking since chapter 1 and 2. And now he's the first time. It's the devil. Resist him standing firm and the faith, because you know that the family of believers 
throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and stand fast. To him be the power forever and ever. With the help of Silas, whom regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that is the true grace of God stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does, does my son Mark. Greet one another with kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Full stop. We finished the letter. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we believe in the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And your words are the spirit and life. Your words can go beyond. Your words can go deeper. If they are full of power of the Holy Spirit. For, for those who are here in this hall or watching on YouTube, I ask for this power, this grace, this love of the Holy Spirit behind this 1 Peter chapter. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So guys, like I said, I was still with our family of churches. If you don't know, New Frontiers Family of Churches, we are... Well, know the numbers are uh, around 90 nations, around 30,000 of uh, churches, and we had none in the whole South America. And this is not about franchising of, oh, let's open a new McDonald's church, a new franchising church. No, it's not about that. It's, um, we are not trying to do colonization or... Uh, we realize the wind of the Spirit is blowing in South America, and there are lots of opportunities and people asking for this uh, vision. And, and the whole South America and in the Portuguese-speaking countries. So we spent these days there, and we are about to adopt the third church in New Ground family, and also to start two new projects of church plant from scratch in Sao Paulo and the south of Brazil. And so, if you remember, pray for this because there is advancing of the gospel. Brazilian people, they have a beautiful heart for the gospel. They, they don't have a hard heart for the gospel, but they are ignorant about the gospel in many ways. There's a lot of prosperity preaching, a lot of difficult environments, and there's a lot of good people asking for a healthy churches in some places. So pray for this if you remember. Okay? Amen? One Peter. And come back. So, now, uh, let me share with you. Peter, do we have the next slide? If you watch The Chosen, you know who Peter is. <laughs> is that guy. Uh, son of John, brother of Andrew, who was born in Bethsaida and lived in Capernaum. You can Google this towns later on. And this book was written somewhere between years 62 and 64 in the first century. Different opinions, different scholars, but maybe somewhere between this time, this letter was written. Then we have Second Peter, uh, to Peter, probably in year 64, when Peter died under 
Nero's emperor in Rome. This letter was written in Rome, capital of Italy. And if you visit Rome someday, you have the Roman Forum behind the Colosseum, and you can ask for the guides and the guys to visit the prison, and you can see the prison, probably was the prison where Peter was in Paul as well. Peter. Chapter 5, we have some structure in the chapter. The verse 1 to 4, Peter is talking to the elders of the church as we read the first sentences. And then, instruction for the elders, uh, this destruction, chapter 5. Then he starts talking with young people and with all church, forgive my mistakes in spelling, okay? And to the, uh, everybody in the church and young people to submit to each other. Verse 8 and 9. Again, trials and suffering, and he speaks about the devil. It's the first time in the book, in the letter, he speaks about the devil. In verse, the last bit, final recommendations. Now, these final recommendations, it's, it's funny, when we start to understand better the behind the scenes of the, the, the letters in the Bible, because he gave, he gave to us here in chapter 5, at the very end, some names a guy called Silas, a guy called Mark. And Mark is the same Mark that you have in your Bible, the Gospel of Mark. We could call the Gospel of Mark as the Gospel of Peter. Why? Because Mark was a young man who had the problem with Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul was so strict in the beginning of his ministry that he had a fight against Barnabas about John Mark. And they split. The team. And the narrative, the text of the Bible, keep talking about Paul and Silas. Keep this name in your mind. But Mark, he was kind of adopted by Peter. And under Peter's mentorship, he wrote the Gospel of Mark. Uh, under Peter's memories, narratives, or perspective, this Mark is here with Peter in the final greetings on this um, section, chapter 5. But also Silas, probably the same Silas was with Paul. And Silas was, was uh, the writer. They had a name for this amanuensis. Was the kind of people, sometimes for free, sometimes they were paid to write letters. So this Silas was writing a letter. And Peter was quoting. Sometimes one Peter is very similar to Paul's letter. Because was Silas writing adding his style in the text. So you see this in the final greetings. And Paul, in the end of his life, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, you can see the reconciliation between Paul and Mark, John Mark. Paul saying, now Paul is old, experienced, and he called himself the old. And, and he said, Mark is useful, is helpful for my ministry. So you see all this behind the scenes. If you read later on in your home, Romans chapter 16, the very end of the book of uh, Romans, the letter of Romans, you see 30 or more greetings, personal names that Paul is saying hello for everybody in the church. And the guy who wrote the letter of Romans, he had his name of the text because he was the writer. And through the centuries, all the scholars checking the manuscripts and the Bible and the documents, they decided to keep his name there. But So he was the writer. So you see this structure in chapter 5 of Peter. And I want to share with you in, in, in the time that we have. I would love to go for verse by verse. But in the time we have here, I want to talk about the elders. Hmm. 
Okay, your revenge now. Yes, let's talk about the elders, the pastors. <laughs> but then I'll talk about the church as well, as Peter is giving this instruction and I'll try to focus in, in verse 7. Let's start with the elders. Do you have the next slide? Elders, who are they? What kind of food they eat? How they behave? How is their life? Where did they come from? How is the elders? Where can we check? Who gave this idea to have elders in a local church? So the first sentence in the chapter, to the elders among you. Guys. Hold on with me. This part here, I'll give you some context, and then I'll give some application to your life of these teachings. First, in the first century, the Christians, they came from a Jewish community. Everybody was Jew. Jesus, Peter, all these names in the Bible. All these guys, they were Jews. Okay, so, and their lifestyle or meetings or gatherings, they had something called synagogues local churches okay to make easy to our understand they didn't have they didn't have this name before they had synagogues and every synagogue was led by a group of elders so they had elders in the synagogue but why this if you give one step back the synagogue they were trying to copy or to be a model of something bigger called sanhedrin in the bible and the Sanhedrin was like a place uh, full of elders, led by a group of elders. And these guys, they, um, they always were giving directions spiritually, but also civil directions for the people. So all kinds of situations, Sanhedrin, the group of elders to take decisions. Do you have this in the next slide? Maybe I, watched, I saw some photos. Google. So, synagogue was a small Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin is the right pronunciation? Yeah? So, okay. Lead by a group of elders. This is the Jewish religion. Okay, but where this Sanhedrin idea to be led by a group of elders came from? In the second book of your Bible, in chapter 18, Exodus, this idea came from a father-in-law. Sometimes they give... Good ideas, just sometimes. They were talking. His name was Jethro, and he was talking with Moses. And Moses was leading more than a million of people. Busy, busy all the time, every kind of situation. Problems in the marriage, problems with the kids, that's every kind of situation Moses was leading. And Jethro said, come on, Moses, you need a group of wise guys. From Exodus chapter 18 was established in Israel the eldership team, group of elders. And then we had the first group of 70 elders to lead Israel. Now, come back to one Peter. They have this new group now, and they gave a name of church. Okay, how are we leading this group called church? Next slide. With elders. In Acts 15... You see, the very first time, actually you see in Acts 11, but then in Acts 15, the first big decision for the church, they called the apostles and the elders to this together. So when Peter is saying to the elders among you, they understood because they were from Jewish uh, culture. 
And then they just reply in the Christian culture, and we uh, have this kind of leadership in our local church, in New Ground, in New Frontiers, a church lead for a group of elders. Just to make clear for you and to understand the context and the biblical teaching on this. And then he said, be shepherds of God's flock. Be shepherd of God's flock. I do believe the biggest crisis we have in churches today is the leadership crisis. We have a quote that I love from D.L. Moody. I think we have in the next slide. Uh, the best way to revive a church is to build fire in the pulpit. John Wesley, he used to say, I wake up very early in the morning and I put fire on myself and people come to watch me burn. What they are saying. The church and people realize when the pastor or the elder is a man of God. Is full of God's fire. When the church is under a leadership of men full of God's fire. An elder who serves God's people be shepherds. A shepherd have that stick, that thing. It's not only to pull the, the, to, 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 the sheep. sheep but it was also to hit the wolf. It was also to protect. So be shepherd. An elder who serves to be shepherd. He is not afraid of everybody's approval. Sometimes he's harsh and lovely with people. His conscience is not there just to sell, to make sales of his conscience and values. Because he is a shepherd. So when he says, be shepherd of God's people, I remember Paul in Philippians chapter 1 verse 16. When he says, he said, I am put here to defense, to the defense of the gospel. To be shepherd is also to protect the flock. I like this quote from John Calvin. He said, a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. So to be shepherd is to be loved, kind, care, carry your arms, but also to protect. And also to know. And also to be strong. And also to not be slave of the other's approval or depending on the applause because he's sure about his call then Peter I want to highlight some phrases from Peter and then I want to jump for uh, verse 7 to talk about anxiety but then there's a very important phrase here Peter says watching over them them who Peter the flock everybody in the flock Acts 20, you see Paul having this conversation with the elders from the church in Ephesus. Look after everybody. So the elders cannot be selective. No pastor can be more nice or patient or kind with someone in the church than the other person. I don't like that family. I like that family. This is not an elder. Or for those who have more money or who does with surnames. Why I'm telling this? Because this is happening. In many places. So he's saying, watching over them. I have no rights to choose to whom I'm preaching to. 
is for everybody. And he keeps saying in the next phrase, being examples. Being examples. It's hard this part because we love to say, look to Jesus, don't look to me. Put your eyes, turn your eyes, and Jesus. It's right, of course, you need to look to Jesus. But then a macho guy called Paul in 1 Corinthians, um, chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Look to me, imitate me, because I'm imitating Christ. Wow, I'm not brave enough to say this. I'm not brave enough to say, Look to my marriage. Look the way that I raise my kids. Look to my faith. You can be like me and proved by God. Be examples. I love the text of Hebrews 13. It's not on the screen. Let me hear for you. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. Be except no pressure. <laughs> for elders, be examples. I, I, I don't know, I have an opinion. The sin of a pastor, leader, elder, is more serious, is more, here we go, the pronunciation, hypocritical, is right, yeah? And more harmful. It's more serious because he's committing a sin against a greater knowledge. Is more hypocritical because the sin that he condemns in public, he's practicing in secret. And harmful because we have a list of big names and big pastors who fall and the church just was destroyed together. Another day, Manuela, she asked me, Dad, do you think she, she was in uh, Matthew, the whole Gospel of Matthew? And she said to me, that I was your question, Dad, do you think God will chase you more or something like that? Do you think your punishment would be bigger? Uh, my punishment would be bigger. And I said, yes, it will be. Be examples of the flock. He, he didn't say this for people of the church, but to the elders. Then the next sentence, this honest gain. Do you have the next one? Not pursuing his honest gain. Now, God, uh, what he saying here, the motivation cannot be money. I have many stories about this. I wish I have time to share personal testimony about these and leaders that uh, they took this way. Yesterday, we received a nice invitation from friends. Guys, there was a lot of places around here that we just don't know. And sometimes these friends, they invite us, oh, let's have a brunch in, what's the name? Rygate. And we went with them, just me and Giovanna, because the kids now, they're 15, they can spend a few hours without die, okay, by themselves. <laughs> they can survive. We are kind of free. And, okay, and then we went with them. And, we, and sometimes they invite us to see places around that for us is, is new. So, oh, this is nice, this is nice, this is beautiful. And we went to this place. And Elena, the lady, the friend, she was trying to prove for me that the best Netflix series for me to watch is Peak Blindness. 
Pink Blind. So I, I don't know Pink Blinders. I haven't watched it. So I said, why? And the husband, he doesn't like so no, it's very violent. And she said, no, but it's good, it's nice. Now I want to pick blinders because I haven't. And then she said, but let me tell you something about the main character. And she gave me the name. I forgot the name. This guy, the character, there's an explanation why he's so violent. And I like to this analysis of the anti-hero or to find why these people are so evil sometimes or bad. And oh, it's because he came from the war and the war was so tough. Now he's a tough guy, blah, 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 blah. And then I remember this text in the Bible. Why? When the motivation is money. Guys, I came from Brazil. So America, United States, Central America, Africa, Brazil, the whole South America is full of prosperity preachers. And there is something that we don't talk too much in the church, that is money. And it's a problem sometimes to be a pastor or a preacher, because you keep trying to explain yourself that you are not like them. So, oh, our church, we're not like that church. Oh, I'm pastor, I'm not like that guy. Ah, it's tiring. Okay, to say, ah, we're not a wolf, we're not rich, look to my... It's tiring. But then, sometimes, depending on the context, you need to explain everything. And... and and I have some names for these guys. The Bible called these guys like enemies of cross. There is no gospel. They have no conscience. They just want money, money, money. I call them prosperity pimps. They just want money. It's cruel. It's horrible. But some of them, when they start to analyze to why they are acting like this, most part of them, they came from church environment where they were under some humiliation where they could be honored in a biblical way, but the church didn't. So they start to pursue this honest game. Before coming to UK, I was offered to be part of this club. You have, do you have an idea how much they pay for a sermon? Something around 2,000 pounds, 40-minute sermon. Each sermon. If you preach four times a week in different towns, you can use the same sermon. Plus their salary from your local church. It's a business. From someone who was honest in the beginning. From someone who started his ministry praying, God, please use my life. But after years and years of humiliation, not having money for nothing, studying well, theology and everything, then suddenly you have this door. But they lose them, their souls and lose themselves in this journey. And 2 Corinthians chapter 11, some people say, oh, but Paul was a tent maker. But he was angry when he wrote to the Corinthians. He said, I was doing this because you, you didn't pay my salary. The guys from Macedonia was paying me to serve you. This is not right. So have this confusion sometimes. And some guys, they just go for money. It's their motivation. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says, Next slide. I love this text. It's coming. No. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Not dishonest gain, but honor. Not dishonest gain, but doing well with the right heart. 
Now, this is the recommendation for the elders. We don't have more time. I want to spend the next few minutes talking about verse 7. I think it's coming to the screen. Verse 7, uh, 1 Peter 5. Let me read here for you. I close the Bible. <laughs> Five seven. Uh, just want to read again, make fresh. Cast all your anxiety on him. He cares on you uh, about you. He cares for you. Elders, church. Then talk about young people. Church. Then he talks about anxiety. And then he talk about the devil. Then he keeps talking. And it's funny because Peter said uh, uh, this was uh, short. Briefly, I wrote for you. Can you imagine if it wasn't briefly? So, let me tell you, guys. The word healthy organization. Do you have this next um, number? Checking the word health, health organization website. Everybody who is in the hospital now across the planet, 50%, more than 50% of people who are in the hospitals they are victims of psychosomatic disorders. What that means? The problem is not the stomach, the head, the knee, the backbone. It's the mind. It's the soul. Fear, depression, anxiety. And I, I was reading this news. And the global cost with anxiety and depression is $1 trillion per year. I don't know how much money this. $1 trillion per year with anxiety and depression across the world. It's urgent. Anxiety is democratic because children suffer anxiety with games, cartoons, and everything. Uh, teenagers with their mirror or Instagram or the family as well. GCSEs plus A-level. Boy and girlfriend and friends and acceptance. There's a lot of anxiety. And young adults, okay. Uh, marriage, career, future, money. Do you have a car someday? I don't know. Or who will be my husband or wife? Anxiety. Adults, career, mortgage, mar marriage, happiness, joy, traveling, holidays, everything, anxiety. Elderly people. Oh, my grandchildren, loneliness, disease, anxiety is in everywhere. It's the, three, it's the three main reasons for anxiety. Life circumstances. You cannot control. You cannot control someone else's reaction. You cannot control your boss. You cannot control accidents of life. And we are all addicted in control. Or money is the main thing. Money. People, people can let us down. People sometimes are so toxic and difficult. And you have that relatives and you need to do them. And, and some birthday party. And you have people that you don't like. Sometimes they are uh, working with you. Sometimes it's your boss, your company. I don't know. So we have life circumstances. We have money and we have people like triggers to start anxiety situations in our lives. 
Sometimes I feel like the guy the next slide. I'm being crucified between two criminals like Jesus was, okay? Left and right. And then I have my past and regrets and my future, my concerns, and I am in the middle, very anxious. Sometimes you take a train to London and you're going to Victoria Station and you are without your phone, thinking in your life. In the most part of your journey, you are thinking about your past, how unfair that person was with me, how unfair I was in that situation. Oh, if I could have a travel machine, come back on time, how I regret that situation and all of your past and all these ghosts from the past and all these cycles that you never closed, circumstances of life that you cannot control anymore and someone maybe today is chasing you because of your past or your future. And we try to sort out problems that we don't have yet because they are somewhere in the future. I have three teenagers at home. I know what I'm talking about. Future, 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 future. Oh, how will be my retirement? Oh, when I achieve 70, 65 years old, we uh, are staying in Crawley or living in Spain. Or future. And I like the next sentence, the quote of this guy, the philosopher um, guy. Uh, is a very clever quote. And actually, I feel sometimes, I don't know if you feel this, like being uh, pulling in opposite directions in my emotions, like tearing apart my emotions when I have past and future in, and never in the present. Do we have the next slide? Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Michel Montoy. Yeah. My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. Let me read this for you and I'll finish and then we'll pray. Sorry for five minutes late. 85% of what subjects we worried about never happened. This is a new survey. 85. 85%. 15% that did happen. Okay, now I have this box. 15% that did happen. 79% of the people involved 15% discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. <coughs> Invisible enemies. Anxiety is a sign of unbelief or disbelief. When I walk under anxiety, I'm saying God is not good enough to look after me. God is not powerful enough. God's not present enough is what my emotions keep saying to me. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, 32, um, pagans run after all these things. Now, I'm not saying, it's a problem sometimes to preach because one thing is what we say, another thing is what the person can understand. I'm not saying that medicine, tablets, therapy, is a, all of these they are important tools. But I'm saying something that God knows. And the name of Jesus is greater than cancer, than anxiety, than fears, than insecurities. Jesus is God with us. Emmanuel. If you open your Bible in Psalms, 
You see the emotions of the psalmist coming. Sadness, joy, anxiety, and God present in every season of his life. Anxiety is useless. You don't get better because you're anxious. I want to finish and I want to call Nathan and the guys to sing the last worship song. And I want to pray with you. I want to finish where Jesus said Matthew 6, 27. Matthew 6, 27. Oh, it's there. Can anyone of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Is a question. There's no question mark, but you understand. Uh, this translation, adding an hour, makes easy to us to understand. But the original word, Jesus was standing about uh, meters or size or something between your elbow and your fingers, something around 45 centimeters. What he's saying, you cannot stretch your life by worrying. Your father knows that you need all those things. I just want to pray with you now. Uh, I don't be simplest, but I want to pray. Because sometimes we pray for the things that we are worried about, but we don't pray for our hearts. I want, you, I want to invite you to pray for your heart now, for your mind. There's a war here. It's a battlefield. And to read at home, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 7, and 8. Every verse asking for the help of the Holy Spirit. Can we stand to pray and then we will finish? Thank you for your patience uh, with me this morning. I know we are 10 minutes late. I want to pray with you. Just close your eyes for a second. We are finishing the service. You grab your kids and have a coffee together. You have an amazing day with a nice lunch. But in this very moment, I just want to ask for the help of the one who knows everything about you. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we surrender our lives to you because sometimes we just don't know how to cope with ourselves, how to deal with daily situations. Sometimes our emotions, they are just screaming and shouting in our minds in all these inner thoughts that we cannot control. Sometimes we are so worried about many, many situations, different kinds of concerns, but we don't stop to lay down our hearts to you. We will do this now. Holy Spirit, please come in our minds in our heart, in our emotions. We submit our emotions to the control of the Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, help us to see your beauty, bring peace to our home, peace to our mind. I pray, Lord Jesus, for every family of this church and every person who is here this morning or watching online, and this person for a long time is not feeling 
joy or or hope or peace i speak the name of jesus now asking for the peace that transcends the understanding the peace of god and minds and hearts this morning lord jesus some of us we are so tired dealing with our anxieties we do love you lord but it's hard stuff you are our father we run to your arms this morning we uncast our anxieties in you lord jesus because you care about us and i pray in the mighty name of jesus christ amen